Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Sound Medicine Podcast. I'm Barbara Lewis, and this is episode number 13. Today, we're talking about something called toxic stress. And this is not like the everyday anxiety of a work deadline you are just not ready for or a blind date gone horribly wrong. This is the kind of stress that never lets up. It gnaws at you, it can lead to health problems, even self-harm and sometimes suicide. There's plenty of research showing that even the tiniest of babies can get stressed out. And if that stress never lets up, it can have serious repercussions as that child grows up. We're not doing enough to help these children. It's an epidemic. It's a public health crisis. That's Dr. Mary Polito. She is an expert on how to identify and manage toxic stress. We'll be speaking with her in just a few minutes. But first, reporter Eilish O'Neill reports on how doctors and psychologists are trying a new approach to relieve toxic stress in children. When Bernice was growing up in Florida, she bounced from trailer home to trailer home. Her mom was a teen mom who suffered from drug addiction, and her stepdad hit her. In elementary school, when I asked, I asked my stepfather for help on my math homework, and he actually punched me in the eye because he, I guess he dropped out in middle school. That was the mo one of the most traumatic experiences that I've had to go through. Bernice ended up dropping out of high school. Then, when she was still just 18, she became pregnant with her first son. She says she wasn't ready to be a mom. I had no idea. I had to go off how I was raised. That was 10 years ago. Now, Bernice is 28, and she has five kids. She suffers from depression, and her husband's in rehab. She's living on welfare, struggling to make ends meet. All of those factors, plus Bernice's own history of trauma, put her kids at risk of toxic stress. If you're a little baby and you're exposed to, let's say, what caregiver mental illness or substance abuse or extreme poverty and you don't know when your next bottle is going to come and so you're sort of constantly stressed and no one's making you feel better and so you're constantly in this state of arousal. This is Rebecca Schreig Hirschberg, a clinical psychologist and doctor specializing in early childhood development. She says, without a parent helping the child cope, the baby's brain gets bathed in cortisol. That causes two problems. First, the parts of the baby's brain dedicated to fear and aggression become overdeveloped, and the parts of the brain dedicated to learning and memory are underdeveloped. That leaves kids unprepared for school. On top of that, 
toxic stress can take a toll on physical and mental health. Essentially, there's a really, really high correlation, and now we've seen prediction between childhood traumatic experiences and physiological health com outcomes and mental health outcomes. So if you're exposed to cumulative stressful experiences in your first 18 years, you are more likely to um, have higher levels of depression and anxiety, more likely um, to have heart problems, more likely even to get cancer, and actually it's linked to early morbidity. No one's sure exactly how many kids suffer from toxic stress, but studies indicate that about one in three children have had two or more traumatic experiences. Pediatrician Rahil Briggs says one of the best ways to combat toxic stress is to teach parents how to help support their kids. There's almost nothing in this world that is by definition toxic stress because it's that two-part definition of what is the actual stressful thing and what did your caregiver do about that to protect you from it? That critically important protective factor of a healthy parent who can protect against the effects of toxic stress is where we need to focus our energies. So now, programs all over the country are trying to teach responsive parenting. The goal is to intervene before it's too late. Hello? Hi, it's Irish. Hi, I'm Rikia. Nice to meet you. Nice Rikia lives in Harlem with her 10-month-old son, Lex. This is Lex. Ever since Lex was born, Rikia has been attending a program at New York University that gives parents tips about playing with and responding to their kids. Every time Rikia and Lex go in for a checkup, they spend about half an hour playing with a toy and getting feedback from a social worker. Rikia says it's helpful because she's trying to be a different kind of parent to Lex than her parents were for her. Lex is told that he, I love him from like the day he was born, every day. <laughs> I don't think something I heard I ever my parents say, uh, you know, we don't, we don't do that, we don't do emotion. Right now, Rikia and Lex are playing with Mr. Blue, a stuffed monster they got last time they were at NYU. Lex, look, Mr. Blue. Look, he has two eyes, and you have two eyes. He has a nose. And you have a nose, you have a mouth. Rahil Briggs, the pediatrician, says programs like the one Rikia's in cost about $450 per family per year. The payoff comes down the road. That return on investment takes a while to show up. First it shows up in the school setting because the children don't need special education. And then it shows up in the juvenile justice setting because the children don't go into jail. And then it shows up finally 40 years later in the healthcare setting, but the healthcare setting was the one who paid for it, makes it a challenging, um, a challenging balance sheet without a lot of philanthropic support. Early interventions tend to work best, but later interventions can help too. In the case of Bernice, some damage has already been done. A few years ago, Child Protective Services took her oldest son away from her. Then, the court ordered her to go to a group parenting program at Montefiore Medical Center in the Bronx. Like the program at NYU, the one in the Bronx teaches responsive parenting. I used to yell out a lot. I'll be honest, sometimes it was, felt like it was the only way I could get my point across because they just were not listening. Well, coming here, they've taught me how to get down to their level, how to 
talk to them maybe in a lower voice which helps them calm them down you know reading to them for a little while at night helps their vocabulary helps their mind helps their their th them just calm down and get ready for bed um they taught me how to set a routine for my kids my kids are now have a routine at night where they get they come home from school they get dinner they get a bath they get rubbed down with lotion they get their night clothes on they play for a little bit and then it's bedtime Bernice says her depression has subsided and she hopes to get her son back soon. She talks more with her daughter and plans to give her the information she needs so she won't become a teen mom. Dr. Shrike Hirschberg says that's the ultimate goal, to break the intergenerational cycle of toxic stress. That type of relationship can really, really do a lot to impact the transmission of these effects over time. For Sound Medicine, I'm Alicia O'Neill in New York. It's much more interesting, I know, I know. That's much more interesting than everything else I have here. No, 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 no. Joining me now by phone is Dr. Mary Polito. She is the executive director of the New York Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. She has worked extensively with troubled families and abused children. Working in this field of child abuse and neglect for close to 30 years, I have seen the horrible toll that it plays on children. Child abuse and neglect is a national, it's a health epidemic. It needs to be looked at as a public health problem. There are 3 million reports a year made on children. Around a million are actually confirmed, and we need to put resources into helping children and helping families because child abuse and neglect are preventable. Toxic stress which occurs when children have frequent, prolonged adversity, such as a chronic neglect, caregiver abuse, substance abuse, mental illness, domestic violence. This type of prolonged exposure, you know, the research has shown it, it not only disrupts the development of how they respond to stress, but it can also, particularly in, in, in infants and toddlers, it impacts how their brain develops, and then that puts them at a disadvantage for learning in the schools, a disadvantage for other health issues later on, a disadvantage at even how they could eventually be able to just, like, you know, manage work and employment and relationships. So I am really very pleased that you're addressing this because it has long-term health implications for our children. Is this something that can be reversed? I was thinking about all the things that we kind of get, I call the hardwired into us in our first few years of life. Is there a way to reverse this or at least minimize it? Yes, there is. There is. And it's things that can be done, you know, again, teachers can play a role in the classroom. But for example, my agency, uh, the New York Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children, have a trauma recovery program where we work with children who have experienced complex traumas and are often, you know, and the toxic stress, and they're multi-symptomatic. They've been physically abused or sexually abused, serious, serious neglect. And we use an approach that works with... Um, it's environmental in that we, we work with the, the school system and the parents and the, the bio parents and the foster parents and the children and the siblings. And we also take into account 
neurobiological issues and, and when did the abuse happen, but being able to work with children to help them with adaptive coping strategies, you know, improving their family relationships, helping them when they're ready, look at what happened in the past and realize that it shouldn't color who they are, but it's part of what happened to them and there are ways that we can help them regulate their emotions and behaviors and and move forward. And we have found that with this sort of environmental approach of working with everyone involved in the child's lives, the children can heal and the children can get better on, you know, not, not be constantly in this high stress sort of reactive mode. Um, and schools can also play a role in doing that. And the other thing that's really important with teachers and coaches and everyone with the school, what we found is, is the key ingredient to any child healing from toxic stress is to have one dedicated, supportive, caring adult in their life. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a biological parent. Yeah, well, Dr. Polito, I was just thinking about schools, you know, we, we, we tend to think, okay, if, you have, if a child has a chaotic life at home, then schools are sort of an oasis for them. But then you think about um, how crowded some schools are and, 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 and how understaffed and, and how are schools set up to, to be that oasis? I mean, can that caring adult be somebody that the, the child knows through school? Yeah, I think that trauma-informed schools are happening more and more across the United States. But really, what that means is that schools, you know, if you're looking at it sort of the bigger picture, they need support because, you know, these parents and these children are coming from, you know, environments of community violence, domestic violence, substance abuse or mental illness, child abuse and neglect, and no school can handle that on their own. This has to be addressed as a public health issue. So in schools, if they can make sort of the collaborations with mental health services in schools or, or, you know, medical services in schools for the children, counseling in schools. Schools are under-resourced, but when you look at some of the schools that are trying to take a trauma-informed approach and they're able to form collaborations with other groups that actually come into the schools, it is possible to help these children recover and to help their families but again, it's something that uh, I, I don't think when people sign on to teach that they realize the level of toxic stress in the children for, for many of the, particularly in urban areas, that they're going to have to deal with. There's also individual strategies, you know, that teachers can use that, that are also things that, you know, that, that we use with, with children at the NYSPCC. I think, first of all, is is just a recognition that I think initially they probably think these children have behavior problems, right, or conduct disorder, or why are they not listening, or why aren't they following directions, or, you know, why are they running around the classroom and disrupting others or being very aggressive or or possibly being very depressed. You know, it's because they're they're not cued into what's happened in the child's background. So sometimes just recognizing when these behaviors are going, that that child is going into sort of a, a, a panic stage and just trying to work with them to calm them down and being, you know, responding to them 
in a way that's not that doesn't sort of send out you know what's what's wrong with this child, but more what's happening with this child, and how can we figure out to keep this child a little bit calmer and realize that what they're doing is going into sort of a survival mode because they're not sure what's going to happen next, and and work with them on. And even if it's just like sort of relaxation in the classroom, you know, and, and, and calming them down. And, and that, I think, is something that teachers can begin to learn on their own that can be incorporated into the day-to-day when they realize children's behavior is, is sort of going a little bit awry and off the tracks with aggression or anxiousness. That's Dr. Mary Polito. She's executive director of the New York Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. We'll take a break, and then we'll talk about the role that teachers and schools can play in identifying and then helping kids cope with toxic stress. When a child has, you know, come from an environment where, where all he's experienced is constantly being on a state of alert, what's going to happen to me? Who's going to be hitting me? Am I going to be okay? you can establish that safety, and that safety can be in the classroom, that safety can be in the family, hopefully that safety is in both areas, then students are going to begin to flourish. You're listening to the Sound Medicine Podcast. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to the Cell Medicine Podcast. I'm Barbara Lewis, and we're talking about toxic stress, that never-ending feeling of anxiety and insecurity that can lead to real psychological damage in children and in adults. My guest is Dr. Mary Polito. She's Executive Director of the New York Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. Now that she's explained how to identify kids at risk, of toxic stress, I asked her to walk me through what schools can do to help mitigate the problem. Children will need more than what's just going to happen in that classroom, you know, and if there are ways where children can be referred for counseling as well as working with the teachers in the classroom and working with the family and the environment, you know, or preventive services being put into the home so that the the parent or parents have the ability to be able to provide a better home environment for that child. It has to work together because that teacher will be with this this child for the whole year and the school will have the the child for many years. But if they can work together, 
you know, with like these, I, I call them health education collaboratives, where schools can begin to have this behavioral health care put into the schools, that that's really going to support the teachers in the classroom and it's going to support the child and the family in, in their environments too. Can you give me an example of a child that, that was helped and, and take, kind of take me through the process? Sure. There was a little boy who was in foster care since almost the day he was born. However, his, his mother was a teenager when she had him. She had substance abuse issues. He was placed into foster care. She came in and out of his life. He was replaced many times because the foster parents felt that they couldn't handle all the issues that they had with him. He ended up, this little little boy, probably around the age of 10, ended up in a crisis residence who was not doing well in school either. So working with the school and the NYSPCC, we began to have counseling for the child. We also worked with the teachers to help them understand his behavior. We do everything in collaboration. We never treat a child in isolation. And we also worked with the birth mother. All right, the birth mother eventually dropped out of the picture, which, of course, made all of the symptoms that this little boy was experiencing worse for a while. And goodness, there was another foster mother that stood in, and, and we also worked with helping the child with coping skills so that he could begin to manage the outburst and the anger and the upset that he was having. You know, and then we, we also helped him realize when he was being triggered. We worked with the teachers and we worked with the foster mother so that they understood when he would start to get aggressive or, or start to scream and yell that there are ways to help calm him down in the moment. We keep children in our programs for as long as they need, and we don't charge for our services because these families have enough things stacked against them. But working with someone that can help with coping skills and managing and regulating their outbursts and then helping them understand how the the different experiences that they have have fit into their life, but that there's people here now that are giving them a safe and supportive environment, which is another thing the schools can provide. You know, eventually children will be able to manage their emotions and their triggers and be able to make significant progress in school life, in their home life, and and going through life. And that's really, I think, the, the best that you can hope for when a child has come from an environment where, where all he's experienced is constantly being on a state of alert, what's going to happen to me, who's going to be hitting me, am I going to be okay? And if you can establish that safety, and that safety can be in the classroom, that safety can be in the family, hopefully that safety is in both areas, then students are going to begin to flourish. Teachers can create that safe and that positive classroom environment and work with whoever hopefully is in that school. And granted, usually it's one guidance counselor, which again is why I'm saying under-resourced schools 
we have got to kick this up a notch because we're not doing enough to help these children. It's an epidemic. It's a public health crisis. And to really look at toxic stress in the classroom, there has to be these collaborations. Teachers need more support to, so that trauma-informed schools will be able to help these children reach their potential. So what's the bottom line? Well, two things, says Dr. Polito. One message that, that I would like to put out to every teacher that's dealing with children that have, have the toxic stress environment is I want them to take care of themselves. I teach first responders to um, usually it's, you know, child protective services, but I use an analogy. You have to put on your oxygen mask first before you turn to the person next to you. And when these teachers signed on to teach, they probably didn't realize how much these children were going to need them and the toll that this could take on teachers personally. So they've got to practice self-care. And they've also, I think, got to educate themselves on, on issues of toxic stress. But hopefully they will all stay in the game and do so because these children need them. Second, I, I really think that teachers need to realize that the actions of one caring adult can really mitigate the effects of trauma and help these children flourish and grow and learn rather than fail. This is not irreversible. Relationships can be repaired, families can be restored, and children can heal. Thanks to Dr. Mary Polito, who leads the New York Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children, and also Eilish O'Neill for her reporting. And that's it for this episode of the Sound Medicine Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please like us on Facebook and tell your friends where they can find us at iTunes and Stitcher. And if you leave a review on iTunes, it helps other folks find us. The producer of Sound Medicine is Nora Hyatt with help from Eric Metcalf. Chris Lieber is our engineer, and we have support from the IU School of Medicine. We'll be back in a few weeks with another episode. In the meantime, take care. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.